Titanic, Titanic, Titanic. And now we're going to listen to this. Okay. Nailed, nailed it. Welcome back to Lyrics for Lunch, the show that brings you numerous and sometimes useless facts about your favorite songs. That's the truest intro we've ever done. <laughs> I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker. I'm here today with... Oh, oh! now we're doing this. Now we're doing it this way. I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm a writer and director and musician and co-host of this podcast. Who are you, Lindsay? I just said I'm Lindsay Tucker. I am the uh, journalist and also co-host of this podcast. Yeah, the brainchild behind yeah. this podcast, you might yeah, say. I, I would say. <laughs> Um, how was your week, Lindsay? Um, well, it's only Tuesday, and it feels very Friday-ish. I mean, it doesn't yeah, feel Friday-ish, but it feels like Thursday-ish. Yeah, Thursday-ish. Yeah. yeah, we've just been banging out the recordings. Yeah. Just cruising. Doing a podcast is just so easy. <laughs> um, but, listeners, we are running our very first contest. So, you have a chance to win the vinyl record of your choice from Newtown Book and Record Exchange in Newtown, Pennsylvania. And tell us why it's special. It's special because it's the vinyl record of your choosing. However, the store is special because it is owned by my friend Chelsea Mitchell, who is the best and who I did a movie with and who is a great musician herself. And so the way that this contest is going to work, we're going to hold it on our Instagram and by the time you hear this, there will be a post on our Instagram that you can comment on. And what we need from you is your favorite song or music or musician fact. And so something that you think might be good for an episode, something that you're like, wow, this is amazing. Um, my friend Jeff said that uh, the members of Toto met as session musicians recording the Lido Shuffle. So that's a great example of a musical fact that you can post in the comments of this post. And you also have to tag two friends who you think would love the podcast. And it would also be nice if you followed Newtown Book and Record Exchange at Newtown Book and Record X and spread the word to all of your friends and followers using the hashtag, hashtag lyrics for lunch facts. And in two weeks, two weeks from today, when you're hearing this episode, we are going to pick a winner from what is our two winners, right? We're going to do two winners because we can't agree on anything. So you'll pick your favorite <laughs> fact and I'll pick my favorite okay. fact and we will award two winners with basically like a gift certificate to get whatever record they want from Newtown Book and Record Exchange and it will be shipped to your door. And where can they find us on Instagram if they want to play along? At Lyrics for Lunch. That's L-Y-R-I-C-S-F-O-R-L-U-N-C-H. I did that the first try. I didn't mess it you up. You did. Good job. Proud Good job of you. Of well my week was great thank you very much for asking how was your week oh it was great thank you very much for asking i thought we both agreed that it was thursday-ish and we were moving on <laughs> it was it is thursday-ish i hung my bike on the wall you bike i have a bicycle okay you have but yeah i didn't say like i hung my bike that i use all the time on the wall <laughs> 
All right. Well, most people that have a bike enough to hang it. Well, yeah. Okay. If you hung it on the wall, you're probably not using it, I guess. See? So <laughs> I feel very accomplished. All right. Proud of you. Thank you. Uh, can you please get us up to speed? What happened last week on the show? Oh, my God. Last week on the show, we talked all about your favorite movie and mine, the 1997 classic L.A. Confidential. Okay. Um, no, we talked about Titanic. Mm-hmm. Under the guise of talking about My Heart Will Go On. But I gave you a we, lot of great My Heart Will Go On stuff. Yes. Under the guise of talking <laughs> about My Heart Will Go On, we talked about the, the song. We talked about the majesty that is Celine Dion. But we also talked about the history of the making of the Titanic movie, which was going to be like a everyone was sure it was going to be a massive flop because it cost so much fucking money and like didn't really have anything that people would like consider marketable. Mm. Um, and yet it went on to be the highest grossing movie of all time and made $2 billion worldwide. And the song helped sell movie tickets essentially because the song was such a massive hit. And the song is like one of only seven soundtracks is on one of only seven soundtracks ever to be certified diamond, which is 10 million copies sold. And the soundtrack, it's not like it's full of hits. It's literally like instrumental Mm-mm. music. And then that, and then this song, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the, in in its various i think the thing the thing is truly staggering other than titanic making two billion dollars the box office is the soundtrack in its the song in its various forms on the soundtrack as a single and on celine's greatest hits albums sold over 60 million copies which is like a stupid amount of sales yeah it's un- incredible and you left us with a cliffhanger I did live you with a cliff, which, cliffhanger. Which F- Freddie of Freddie and the Fabs was not happy about. <laughs> Love Freddie. Um, yeah, so this one's for Freddie. But just first. Before we do that, we have from the corrections department. We do. We do. I, I, I kept it from you to hear you live. My stomach hurts. <laughs> At <laughs> our, our old buddy Jody Pazanese says, have they hit you on Twitter about Pride and Prejudice yet? And I said, no. She hadn't done it yet. Kate wasn't in Pride and Prejudice. She was in Sense and Sensibility. Ah. Okay, podcast is canceled, kids. We're canceled. We're going home. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, so Titanic, Titanic, Titanic. And now we're going to listen to this. Okay. Nailed, nailed it. So what are we about to listen to? This is a little ditty that I prepared to get us all back into the My Heart Will Go On Headspace. You prepare. <laughs> Rose, you're the most amazingly astounding, wonderful girl, woman that I've ever known. I'm not an idiot. I know how the world I works. Hate this. <laughs> but I'm too involved now. You jump, I jump, remember? Every night in my dreams, I see you. I feel you That is how I know you Go on Far across the distance And spaces between us You have come to show Wherever you are 
Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. Wearing this. All right. Wearing only this. Love can touch us one time and last for a lifetime and never let go till we're gone. So is this like official? Like yeah. is this this, this is, is on the radio. This, this is official video. When I loved you one true time, I'd hold you in my We got a comment that you're singing a lot. From my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about dicks. I also should probably mention that I heard the song in the wild on Friday. Yeah, which is incredibly Incredible. serendipitous. Vegan restaurant, Silver Lake. Why were you at a vegan restaurant? I was having lunch with a vegan person. That's weird. <laughs> you could take it up with him. Go on. I'll get I remember the one on the radio no, saying iceberg right ahead. So right. this one might be Listen, slightly different. I'm a survivor, all right? Don't worry about me. Now go on. Get on. Now I can't not hear the backup singers because of what we talked you about. You can't not hear night. it? Why yeah, and I, and I fucking hate it. You must promise me. You won't give up. No matter what happens. I have a very complicated now. relationship with this movie. <laughs> this song. I never let go of that promise. I will never let go, Jack. I'll never let go. Ah! We did it. We did it, everyone. How are you feeling? Um, complicated. Tell me. Because, like, I, I think I, I like... This, I, I think the song is good, and I think the movie is good, and what we watched, just watched is fucking horrible. <laughs> yes, agreed. Uh, I spent a lot of time trying to find the one, because there are so many like fan-made versions. Yeah. versions of this with dialogue, and I was trying to find the one that was closest to what I remembered, which was that. Yeah, I don't know if this was the exact one, but... Because it's got like 6,000 views on YouTube or something, but it's like close, probably. Uh, it definitely is. Like, because I, I remember it pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference that I remember is the um, iceberg one. Iceberg, yeah, right ahead. And like maybe they had the Titanic, was called the Ship of Dreams in the beginning. The Ship of Dreams. <laughs> and it was. It really was. So, God. I guess we got to do the 
tick should we do a quick tiktok refresher right now i would love to do a quick tiktok refresher because i was i was gonna ask if you wanted to refresh us on the conspiracy theory but should we just play the tiktok again so this is from the tiktok user at just the nobodies which i think is a podcast they seem to be doing a podcast but like at rapid rapid speed but you can find them on tiktok at just the nobodies and uh one of the hosts is the one that did the this uh conspiracy theory what if I told you the Titanic never sank? What? So the owner of the boat, JP Morgan, actually had two boats. He had the Titanic and he had the Olympic. And the Olympic was a little bit older and a little bit more run down. And it was also in some accidents. Okay. So the theory is that JP Morgan sank the boat on purpose because he knew he would get a lot of money. What? He did it for the insurance money, right? But why sink the newly built Titanic when you could scratch off the paint, swap the names, and sink the Olympic instead? He just painted the word Titanic over the Olympic? It gets worse. Guess who was on that boat? Who? I know there's a lot of people on the boat. All of JP morgan's business competitors what and not one of them made it out oh my god but guess who wasn't on the boat who jp morgan was he supposed to be he canceled minutes before it left because he knew it was gonna sink and there was a guy named james fenton right who survived and worked on the boat and on his deathbed his last words were the titanic never sank it was the olympic wait what and he said that if he said anything something bad would happen to him so what you're trying to say is the movie titanic's actually called the olympic exactly in the name of great conspiracy theories i'm gonna read something to you okay She was the largest craft afloat and the greatest of the works of men. In her construction and maintenance were involved every science, profession, and trade known to civilization. On her bridge were officers who, besides being the pick of the Royal Navy, had passed rigid examinations in all studies that pertained to the winds, tides, currents, and geography of the sea. They were not only seamen, but scientists. The same professional standard applied to the personnel of the engine room and the steward's department was equal to that of a first-class hotel. Two brass bands, two orchestras, and a theatrical company entertained the passengers during waking hours. A corps of physicians attended the temporal and a corps of chaplains to the spiritual welfare of all on board, while a well-drilled fire company soothed the fears of nervous ones and attended to the general entertainment by daily practice with their apparatus. So wait, so the fire company would make people feel better and also just like entertain children with being firemen well yeah i guess so from her lofty bridge ran hidden telegraph lines to the bow stern engine room crow's nest on the foremast to all parts of the ship where work was done each wire terminating in a marked dial with a movable indicator containing in its scope every order and answer required in handling the massive hulk either at the dock or the sea which eliminated to a great extent the hoarse, nerve-wracking shouts of officers and sailors. From the bridge, engine room, and a dozen places on her deck, the 92 doors of 19 watertight compartments could be closed in half a minute by turning a lever. These doors would also close automatically in the presence of water. With nine compartments flooded, the ship would still float, as no known accident of the sea could possibly fill this many. The steamship was considered practically unsinkable. Built of steel throughout and for passenger traffic only, she carried no combustible cargo to threaten her destruction by fire, and the immunity from the demand for cargo space had enabled her designers to discard the flat, kettle bottom of the cargo boats and give her the sharp, dead rise or slant from the keel of a steam yacht, and this improved her behavior in a seaway. She was 800 feet long, of 70,000 tons displacement, 75,000 horsepower, and on her trial trip had steamed at a rate of 25 knots an hour over the bottom. 
in the face of unconsidered winds, tides, and currents. In short, she was a floating city containing within her steel walls all that tends to minimize the dangers and discomforts of the Atlantic voyage, all that makes life enjoyable, unsinkable, indestructible. She carried as few boats as would satisfy the laws. These 24 in number were securely covered and lashed down to their chocks on the upper deck and if launched would hold 500 people she carried no useless cumbersome life rafts but because the law required it each of the 3,000 berths in the passengers officers and crew's quarters contained a cork jacket while about 20 circular life buoys were strewn along the trails in view of her absolute superiority to the other craft a rule of navigation thoroughly believed in by some captains but not yet openly followed was announced by the steamship company to apply to the ship she would steam at full speed in fog storm and sunshine titanic was called the ship of dreams (laughs) i only assume you're talking about the titanic are you talking about a different ship yes what ship are you talking about is this the olympic (laughs) no that was the opening paragraph from the wreck of the titan which was originally titled futility futility so okay the wreck of the titan a thing i know about this so the wreck of the titan was a book it came out like something like five years before the titanic was built and sank it came out in 1898 1898 so 14 years before titanic was built and then sank and basically eerily coincides with all of the things that happened to the titanic it was like sailing too fast and got and hit an iceberg and its name was the titan instead of the titanic and people point to that as like some conspiracy that the titanic was always meant to sink or like jesus like they're like well jesus said you know like god wanted the sink to the ship to sink <laughs> god wanted the ship to sink yeah so it's the storyline is eerily similar i mean the the ship sinks like in the same place in the atlantic ocean like off the coast of newfoundland like literally the exact same story of the titanic it uh, it's an iceberg right it hits an iceberg it yeah. had like almost the exact same amount of watertight compartments it was almost exactly the same amount of feet long jesus i like every single detail is maybe off between a couple of digits so okay so are we thinking that jp morgan who in this conspiracy theory sank the titanic on purpose read futility which was later renamed wreck of the titan and built the ship to sink it for the insurance money yes is that the thinking yes that's how he got the idea okay so on april 14th 1912 titanic struck an iceberg in the atlantic ocean about 400 miles south of newfoundland and sank killing 1503 of its 2224 passengers aries season aries season as we mentioned last week there are a ton of titanic conspiracy theories and we talked about some of them involving the film Mm mm-hmm this week is going to be dedicated to those that involve the actual sinking of the ship. And our hearts going on. And our hearts will go on. Right. Because we're definitely talking about music still. <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear a lot more about the writing of My Heart Will Go On, the real life inspiration for the song, the character of Rose, and lots of other fun facts about the making of the movie, please check out part one of this series. I feel like we've done our due diligence. Let's proceed. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Conspiracy. Yes. Okay. So I have heard the wreck of the Titan conspiracy theory or just like spooky, like believe it or not. Right. And this new one that the ship was sank for the insurance money, which I have like many questions about, but like, 
is this the only is this like the unified titanic conspiracy theory or are there others oh no there are tons which i already (laughs) said (laughs) okay tell me tell me about the tons okay so there's the racist one where the mummy curse caused the titanic to sing i've heard this one there you go uh so i believe i definitely believed was like taught about the mummy curse in school no way as like a real thing you really were that's yeah like the tutankhamen was like dug up and then everyone who opened his tomb died like a horrible death and was like cursed but tutankhamen was found in like the 30s so some other mummy i guess was there a mummy on board okay this information comes from the History Channel. One of the passengers who went down with the Titanic was William Stead, a British editor who subscribed to the early 20th century spiritualism and had spent the past several years claiming a cursed mummy was causing mysterious destruction and disaster in London. Okay, As with great. other myths about Egyptian curses and Native American burial grounds, this myth played off of colonialists' anxiety about the people whose land they had plundered. Right, Imagine yeah, that. like we, we have this guilt <laughs> yeah. that is... Oh no, the ghost is haunting <laughs> us. Spiritualism is an interesting topic. There's a really good episode of The Dollop about the history of spiritualism in the US and how it was all a fraud. Ooh, we'll have to check that out. Listen to The Dollop. Yeah. On board the Titanic, Stead happily repeated this tale of the mummy's <laughs> curse to other passengers. After the ship sank, a survivor recounted Stead's story to the New York world, and the media picked it up. The next month, the Washington Post ran this headline, Ghost of the Titanic, Vengeance of Hoodoo Mummy Followed Man Who Wrote Its History. Hoodoo Mummy? Wow. Okay, some people linked the mummy's curse to Egyptian artifacts that survivor and hero, Margaret Brown a.k.a. Molly Brown. The unsinkable Molly Brown. Really did take with her on the Titanic to deliver to a museum in Denver. In other versions of the story, the mummy was actually aboard the Titanic because the British Museum had sold it to an American who was shipping it home, Snopes reports. But the truth is, the so-called unlucky mummy is still at the British Museum and no mummy was ever loaded onto the ship. But Molly Brown did have artifacts. She did. But unsinkable. And they live in Denver now at the Molly Brown Museum. Well... They should be given back to Egypt. <laughs> Here's another conspiracy. The ship's number read no Pope backwards. <laughs> One myth posits. I love, I fucking love numerology and symbology. It is so stupid. <laughs> So, one myth posits that Catholic employees of Harland and Wolf, the Belfast company that built the Titanic, were distressed that the ship's number 390904 seemed to say no pope when viewed in a mirror. Was this a sign of bad luck that foretold the ship's doom? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, pope. Uh, late Titanic historian Walter Lord wrote that he received letters from people in Ireland relaying this no Pope story beginning in the mid 1950s. So that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But there were no such number. There was no such number attached to the Titanic. So it was, it was just like a chain letter. Like it's not even true. The whole number painted on the ship was 401. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an email for it I got from my uncle. Yeah. Forward, 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 colon. Obama a Muslim proof. <laughs> In fact, I think I got this chain email from my dad like last week. Right. Yes. Twist. Your dad is my own. <laughs> we are cousins. Uh, then there's the TikTok, right? That we played mm-hmm. at the top of the hour. Uh, this is alleging that JP Morgan, who owned the White Star Line, sunk the Titanic to recoup losses from the damaged and nearly identical sister ship, the Olympic. Mm-hmm. 
So there's actually more to this theory once you start looking at it. Well, I guess they kind of mentioned that they're like, and also like his... J.P. Morgan was like supposed to be on the ship, right? Yeah, and his uh, competitors were on the ship. Mm -hmm. It's alleged that... So it was Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim were on the boat. And they were allegedly his enemies because it's claimed that Mm -hmm. Astor, Strauss, and Guggenheim opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve, which was the nation's central bank that Morgan had orchestrated after the bank panic of 1907. Wow. So this like, this goes to like the gold standard too? (laughs) (laughs) And the business plot? Yeah. And to make things even fishier, Morgan and his whole family canceled their trip on the Titanic very close to takeoff. How close is is very close? Do we know? We're going to find out. Oh, we're going to find out? Yeah. Oh. Lending support to this theory is the fact that Titanic's maiden voyage was delayed. It was supposed to be in March, but as we know, it didn't leave until April. So this can support the idea of the switch. Airy season. So they delayed it. What was their rationale for delaying it? What was the, what was, it was just like not ready. We'll get to the real reason for that too, but conspiracy theorists, you know, they, they are never really giving you all the information. So they're saying also, and did you know this? And did you know that? And so did you know that the Titanic was supposed to take off in March, but it didn't take off until April. To me, it's like conspiracy theories are like constellations where like, I've never looked at the stars and been like, yeah, that's a dude shooting an arrow. But you're like, if that guy and that guy are connected and like, that makes a belt. I'm like, I guess, I mean, I guess like if you ignore all of of the other stars in the sky <laughs> sure yeah so that's how i feel about conspiracy theories um yeah i figured you wouldn't be uh, a super believer on this one uh, <laughs> i want to believe i know right we all do so just quick recap the theory is the olympic got busted up its repairs are expensive it'll never be good as new sink it but claim the value on the brand new titanic then you've got the money for a new ship and you've got the brand new ship that you just built the real titanic and voila who lives its life as the Olympic for the rest of its life. Exactly. Right. Uh, so luckily or unfortunately, depending how you look at it, I did not have to quit my entire life to research a book about this because Stephen Hall and Bruce Beveridge already did. Sick. <laughs> These guys set up the Titanic Research and Modeling Association and are also the co-authors of Titanic, the ship Magnificent. But it's their 2012 book, Titanic or Olympic, which ship sank that I'm going to be referencing most here today. This is a quote from that book. According to the theory, the ship that sank on April 15th, 1912, was actually Titanic's near-identical sister ship, Olympic, which sustained damage during a collision with HMS Hawk on September 20th, 1911. Theorists believe that the damage was so serious that Olympic was an economic write-off, and so she was switched with her sister. Which then that collision accounts for the quote-unquote iceberg damage, you sheeple. Right. Right. Okay. Great. I'm I'm with you so far. Okay. Yeah. Also, any any coincidence that uh, it was sunk on tax day? Wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, so the star of the TikTok is James Fenton, the the person who alleged that he was on Titanic and right. he knew that it was a switch and an insurance On his scam. deathbed, he said it wasn't the Titanic, it was the Olympic. Right. But in actuality, Fenton would, was telling everyone that would listen this story for like 60 years. <laughs> okay. Um, on July 30th. He was having a real normal one. Yeah. On July 31st, 1996, a letter to the editor was published in an Australian newspaper called The Northern Star. And this letter was from retired seaman Frank Finch, who is operating a maritime museum on the coast of New South Wales. 
The paper had recently published a story on the alleged Titanic Olympic switch theory, and Finch had seen it and written in with some new exclusive information. Oh, my God. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> so Frank Finch's oldest son, Dennis, was also an industry seaman. I mean, what is even a seaman? Is Forrest um, Gump a seaman? Okay. Is Popeye mm. a seaman? Yes. Yes. They're both seamen. <laughs> So Dennis, industry seaman, had recently told his father about a conversation he'd had with an old boatswain named James Fenton while serving on a cargo ship called the Kuliga <gasps> back in 1971. So James Fenton is like already fucking ancient serving on a cargo ship in New South Wales. Legit. I'm like, how old are these people? It's like Dennis's son was serving in 1971 on the ship. Yeah. And this was in 96. So Fenton told Finch's son that he had served on the ship known as Titanic, but that it was really the Olympic. And here's an excerpt from the letter that was sent to the paper. Fenton, who allegedly went by the nickname Patty the Pig, Great. first went to sea in 1898 as an eight-year-old cabin boy aboard a sailing ship called the Red Rock. Okay, 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 okay. So he, he was eight, year old, eight years old in 1898. So he was born in 1890, and he was sailing in 1971. So he was... 81 years old right sailing yeah that's the story oh man okay they went missing for 180 days in the indian ocean in 1912 patty claimed he was a 22 year old ordinary seaman aboard titanic he always maintained that the iceberg alone did not sink titanic that it had a fire burning in the coal bunkers for a week and that the captain and the company knew about it patty also said that when the crew joined titanic there was rumors that the company had switched ships at layup and that an insurance scam was going on they sailed in a great hurry from belfast and said that when they hit the iceberg it did not do serious damage but when the cold water hit the coal fire it exploded and caused the fatal damage the chief mate put Patty in charge of a lifeboat, keeping older hands on deck for lowering boats. When the surviving crew got to port, they were all taken aside and met by two men, one in a high position in the company. The other man was in a very high position in the government. The government man read the crew the Official Secrets Act, explaining that if they told the real reason for the sinking or the rumors of an insurance scam, they would serve a minimum of 20 years in jail and would never get a job when they got out. Patty said that the guilt of keeping quiet all those years later had taken a great toll on his health and sanity of the surviving crew. Okay, but I'm, ar I'm already hearing contradictions, right? It's because So they did hit an iceberg, but the iceberg didn't do enough damage and it hit a fire, which was already burning. Which they like meaning, didn't care about because they were maybe trying to sink the ship. Yeah, so they like <laughs> ran on into the iceberg <laughs> on purpose. The, so some theorists are like they did the iceberg. The, they were planning a, sh a sinking anyway, and the iceberg actually was an accident. But that's not the actual cause. Like the cause. Huh. Was, well, that's convenient, right? Yeah. And like J.P. Morgan's big plan was like not to have adequate flares on the Titanic and. Oh, what yeah, a, what a what plan. a plan! <laughs> oh, and and I do think it is possible he switched the ships just because it may have been like cheaper or like Titanic wasn't ready, and he's like, eh, scratch off Olympic and write Titanic. But like the the idea that he's singing it for an insurance scam is getting less and less believable by the second. Right. So I uh, I looked up the Official Secrets Act, right? The U.S. does not have one, but the U.K. does, which was enacted in 1911, and it provides of protection. Of course the U.S. doesn't have one. It's a secret, Lindsay. Jesus. <laughs> Read a fucking book. Okay. Well, the Espionage Act is pretty similar, but that wasn't yeah. enacted until like 
the 50s or something. The UK's Secrets Act was enacted in 1911. It provides for the protection of state secrets and official information related to national security. So the White Star Line was a British shipping company. And the ship known as the Olympic did later serve in the war. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities that there was something like afoot here, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it's related to an insurance scam whatsoever. So I'm going to ask a really dumb question. Did JP Morgan own the ship? He owned the company that owned the White Star Line. Oh, wow. Yeah. JP Morgan, very (laughs) wealthy. Yeah. This is from Titanic or Olympic, which one sank? Titanic's construction had begun on March 31st, 1909, only three months after Olympic's keel had been completed. Her construction schedule mirrored that of her sister, although with a seven-month difference. And both ships rose side by side within the Errol Gantry for more than a year and a half. Experience gained with Olympic's construction made work on Titanic somewhat easier, and it is recorded that by April 6, 1910, Titanic had been fully framed, and by October 19th, her hull was fully plated. Titanic's first launch, a ceremonial affair for press and PR, took place May 31st, 1911, and Olympic took off on its maiden voyage two weeks later on June 14th. Wait a minute. I uh, Okay. I'm sorry. The Olympic was seven months younger than the Titanic, seven months older than the Titanic? Mm-hmm. That's it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was like, oh, the Olympic, this old decrepit-ass ship. Like, no, why? No. Who cares about sinking... Crashing a 2011 Honda Camry instead of a 2012 Honda Camry. Well, because the 2011 was already fucked up. Sure. Uh, Also, Toyota makes the Camry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jody. Originally, Titanic was supposed to be nearly an identical replica of Olympic. Right. Photographs taken when Titanic was launched in 1911 show how similar the two hulls were. The only obvious difference was the color of the hull. Olympic's hull was originally painted a light gray, but later painted black to match Titanic. So that's the first photo in your email. So I see the two the two ships. They look like basically they look like pontoons. They look identical to each other. And one of them is dark and one of them is light. There were also differences in the porthole arrangements in the plating around and below the poop deck, <laughs> which was low-key. Okay. Can I have a question? Okay. I'm sorry for a detour. Uh, What's a poop deck? The poop deck was located on deck B and was used by third-class passengers as an outside recreation space. And you can remember this, the scene where Jack first lays eyes on Rose. So we rank in the scheme of things. Like we could forget? <laughs> I'm Tommy Ryan. Jack Dawson. Hello. Fabrizio. Hi. Ah, Fabrizio. To make any money with your drawings. Okay, so, so they're they on the poop, poop deck. deck. I don't know, because they're shit. They're third-class poops. I suppose so. <laughs> oh, forget it, Royal. You just like have angels fly out of your arses get next to the likes of her. Wow, you're just doing all the quotes from last <laughs> that you did from last week. Um, well, I thought about this when I read about the poop deck. Because right mm, before this sure. starts, they're like talking about how like they're not allowed over there. And they have to stay. They're relegated to that space. So there's some differences in the portholes. And here's why. In the weeks following Titanic's launch and following observations made during Olympic's maiden voyage, Bruce Ismay decided that certain modifications should be made to Titanic to add more first-class staterooms and to make some of the existing accommodations even more luxurious. So what Mr. Ismay is the Victor Garber character, I tried to build you a good bolt rose. No. That guy? No. That's Mr. Andrews. So Mr. Mr. Andrews. Uh, Mr. So Ismay Mr. Ismay is the guy that's like, 
uh, the dad from Jumanji go faster, make the morning papers by getting in yeah. early, retire with a bang, AEJ. Yeah, that would be uh that would be the dad from Jumanji. I thought Robin Williams was the dad from Jumanji. No, Robin Williams is the son. Oh, he gets trapped in the game. Right. He gets trapped in the game. Van okay. Pe- the dad slash Van Pelt. Okay. From Jumanji. Okay, so these alterations that Ismay asked for required the removal of almost all the original external windows and framing on Titanic's B-deck. Jesus. The same window upgrades were given to Olympic, but mm-hmm. since Titanic did not have a uniform series of identical rooms in this area as a result of the parlor suites and the private promenades, etc., that were added. The pattern of windows was distinctly less uniform than on Olympic. And then also another upgrade, the forward part of the A-deck promenade was enclosed in steel-framed screens with windows to protect passengers from sea spray. Because mm. something they like noticed on the Olympics maiden voyage was that a lot of spray was hitting people. Yeah, people are getting wet. Um, apart from the different window spacing on Titanic's B-deck and her enclosed forward promenades on A-deck, modifications made only after her launch, the casual observer would not have been able to tell the two ships apart. Okay. So, yeah, you'd have to, like, come up with the schematics of the windows. Right. So, in September 1911, during its fifth commercial voyage, the Olympic, which at the time was the largest ship ever built, suffered a collision with another ship, the HMS Hawk, near mm-hmm. the Isle of Wight off of southern England. So suction from the Olympic pulled the hawk into it, and both suction sh- from the Olympic pulled the hawk into it, like Jack was saying, when the ship goes down, it's going to suck you in. Yeah, kick for the surface and keep kicking. Do not let go of my hand. I cannot <laughs> believe that we're doing this. Okay, both ships saw major damage, and the Olympic had to be towed back to Southampton, where it was patched up and then sent to Belfast for more extensive repairs. So in your email, I have just sent mm-hmm. you some pictures of some of the damage. Damage above the waterline is the first photo, and then um, damage below the waterline. So we have like two big triangle holes in the hull of the ship that are, I want to say, like 10 feet tall or so. Of Eve in the future, grab the sound clip from Jaws where Chief Brody says, This was no boating accident. Well, this is not a boat accident. I'd say it's more than 10. Like, look at in the first one, you've got the, this guy for scale. Like, let's say this guy was six yeah. feet tall. Yeah, it's like two of him. So, yeah, like eight to t- eight to, oh, I'm sorry, 10 to 12 feet tall hole, just like a massive triangular hole. But I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Cause also, like, look at the windows, right? So, you know, those are separate floors. Oh, the windows are separate floors, so it spans like two full floors. So it's like more like 20 feet probably or 15. Yeah, feet, I think maybe. the scale is just off on the photo. Uh, yeah. I think it's a lot bigger than we foreground. think. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so the hull was damaged. The propellers were damaged. In researching the book, the authors obtained drawings from the technical service department of the company that worked on the damage. And what they received was two drawings, one consistent with the reported damage from the Hawk collision and another one showing hull damage in the bow area and indicated that shell plating between watertight compartments two, three, and four may have either been damaged or breached. And these damages were never reported in relation to the Hawk collision and have never been explained elsewhere. Just saying. Whoa, okay. So in October, while Olympic was in Belfast getting repaired from this um, Hawk incident, this is when the switch would have likely taken place. It's believed that it would have happened in either October or then later in March when the Olympic once again was docked for propeller repairs. 
Um, mm-hmm. On the other side of the coin, some historians argue that this is the real reason for Titanic's maiden voyage being delayed because of Olympics unforeseen and extensive repairs. A portion of the workforce had to be taken off Titanic Makes and put sense. back on Olympic, which delayed Titanic's maiden voyage. And also potentially retrofitting for whatever problems they had discovered in the Olympic. Right, exactly. So if the two sisters were to be successfully switched, the most obvious starting point would have been to change their bow and stern names. Mm-hmm. These were etched into the steel plates on the exterior of the ship. So according to the authors, you would have to remove the plates with incised letters and then re-rivet the plates with the other ship's name in the same place. It's not like there yeah, was a nameplate. Yeah, it's not just a paint job. Yeah. Right. And you couldn't just paint over it. Because you'd be able to feel it with your finger. Right. They're etched into the steel. So the likely solution would have been to either rivet new steel nameplates over the existing incised letters or to fill the letters with lead or putty, sand and buff them smooth, and then eliminate all traces by applying hull paint, which would leave a new surface. And this is assuming, which is something that we cannot corroborate, that it said, it perfectly said Titanic on the bow or on the stern, right? What are you saying? Like, like let's say, for example... They did the switch, but they did it shittily. Mm -hmm. They just like painted over it. Okay. Someone would have had to have noticed and said something because there's no way we can go check now. Oh, well. Because it's at the bottom of the ocean. Well, many people have gone down there. In fact, underwater footage from the wreckage looks like most of the letters that form the word Titanic have disappeared entirely. Oh, I don't know if that tells me I'm right or I'm wrong. Um, But since we know that, well, the letters were incised into the steel, so it would have been possible for the letters to have fallen off. So that just adds to the mystery. I'm, yeah, very mysterious. And then also adding to the mystery, close examination of the area where the letters are missing from the hull reveals a mysterious light blue or gray paint. What the fuck? Primer. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk more about the portholes. As I mentioned, the locations of the portholes were not identical between the two ships. Right. At the time of Titanic's launch, there were 14 portholes in the shell plating on the port side of the ship just below the railing along the port bow. Okay, 14 portholes. And there's photos of this in your... Just above, just below the railing on the port side at the bow. Right? That's what you said? Yes, but by late July of the same year, two additional portholes were added to the same area for a total of 16. On the Titanic. Yes. None of the existing portholes were changed or moved, so they just like crammed two more in. 12, 13, 14. So I I have this picture, and I just counted 14 portholes. I think that's the Olympic. Me too. (laughs) Okay. Titanic's starboard side had 15 portholes. Mm-hmm. So Titanic, port side, 16 portholes, starboard side, 15. Now Olympic had 15 on her starboard side, but only 14 on the port side. On port, right. Two more would later be fitted after the sinking of Titanic when Olympic was converted to a troop ship during the war, allegedly. Likely story, likely story, making a match like that. All right, so you looked at the photo. I looked at, so I looked at the first photo, 14 portholes on the port side at the bow of Olympic. And the photo after that kind of shows them side by side and points out the 16. Mm-hmm. You can see that they crammed to kind of near, nearest to the first smokestack. They like crammed an extra couple in the porthole. Yeah, they're not evenly spaced. Portholes, yeah. It's like telescope, 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 binoculars. Right. 
And so the official report is that Olympic got two new portholes when it was converted to a warship, but notably it was seen with two newly acquired sea deck portholes in the port bow area after her return to Belfast in March 1912. Lindsay, why are you, why are you doing this? I, I had already convinced myself that this wasn't a thing. <laughs> but in correspondence with Hall and beverage who are the authors of the book harland and wolf stated that olympic did not receive these additional two portholes until 1914 so harland and wolf confirms no those portholes didn't happen until after titanic sank but there are but the person the people who saw them are just wrong and there's photographs of it so it's very unclear why olympic would appear with these extra portholes in march 1912 and photographs unless they were painted on mm. if they were painted on that would indicate that something was definitely sketch right yeah (laughs) um and then close examination of all photographs showing titanic's port bow after olympics departure from belfast reveals 16 portholes so if the wreck shows 16 portholes it's most likely the true titanic yes if the wreck shows 16 (laughs) portholes it's most likely the true titanic yes I'm getting uncomfortable. (laughs) The next two photos that you can look at is a zoomed in on the portholes. On sea deck? On sea deck. Uh Uh-huh. In which you can clearly see there's like Olympic would have like a big one and then a small one and then Mm -hmm. a big one. And and Titanic has big, two, two, big. Yes. So there are four big ones and then two little ones and then six big ones and then two little ones and then six big ones and then two little ones. And then Olympic has four big ones, one little one, six big ones, one little one. So I don't, that's like, seems like a very, obviously like we're getting really nitty gritty on like whether, which ship is which, but like, why would they even make this change? This is so silly. Of like the engineers to be like, you know, what we should do just put another tiny porthole here. Right. <laughs> the reason that those the Titanic had the two small ones, those were for the washrooms and the toilets, which were like separate rooms. Mm. Okay. Um, sure. Another difference worth noting is that Titanic was built with a crew galley skylight and cowl vent. I don't know what any. I know of those I didn't are. either. I was like, I had to Google it and then look. I was looking <laughs> at actual models that people would buy of to make of titanic and to figure out like which parts were which um but if you look in your photos mm-hmm. we'll post all these photos on our instagram yes by the way the crew galley skylight is on the left it's a little white square that looks like um a monopoly hotel sure okay i see it bottom left hand corner of the picture right yes and then the cowl vent is um another kind of white blob that in the front yeah okay cool so i got there that's titanic and then if you the next one is olympic and you can see that there's no crew galley skylight there mm-hmm. then another noticeable difference is the edge of the breakwater is painted black or dark brown Hmm. i don't know versus titanic which is white right and which one is at the bottom of the ocean but Lindsay, which one is at the bottom of the ocean? The skylight suddenly appeared in Harlan and Wolf's photo of Olympic after Titanic sinking. Oh, okay. But the skylight is probably something easy to add on. Sure. 
So directly above Titanic's navigating bridge, immediately forward of the number one funnel is a large forward-facing ventilator with rectangular grill. This was one of mm-hmm. six stokehold vents that provided the intake air to the boiler rooms deep in the bowels of the ship. On the starboard side of the vent forward of the number one funnel is a large swan neck ventilator, named for its resemblance to a curved neck of a swan. On Olympic, I get it. I got there. <laughs> this vent was noticeably shorter in profile than the one fitted to Titanic. Yes, I'm looking at them right now. It's one's white, one appears to be like darker, and the the one on Titanic is it's got to be like ten feet tall, and the one on Olympic looks to be like four feet tall. Yeah. So after Titanic's return from Belfast in early March 1912, the height of this vent appears to be the same height as that fitted to Titanic. God, damn it, Lindsay! God damn it! But when Titanic departed Belfast a week later, her vent in this position had been lowered. There had been a complete reversal in appearance of the ventilators on both ships. Lindsay, stop. So this doesn't really make sense because all the while we're seeing these little improvements are made to each ship based on what we're learning from the other one, right? Yeah. Why would they like I understand them improving the Olympic to make it match the Titanic because like seven months of of technological advances or whatever. But like why and why would they do the opposite? I don't know. So then there's the lifeboats. So all photographs taken of Olympic on her first few voyages show her lifeboats were painted completely white. And when Mm -hmm. the ship returned to Belfast following her collision with the Hawk, the lifeboat gunwales, black trim, the gunwales, which is basically the trim, were all painted brown as were Titanic's. So the photos of that are also in your email. Yeah, I'm looking at them. (laughs) So how are you feeling at this point? I'm not not having. No, I'm not having a good time right now. Uh, you're doing great. I feel weird. <laughs> so here's another mystery. Because these are, yeah. No, I reject it. There's a woman named Constance Evans. So she and her husband, David, were Titanic passengers who were part of Harland and Wolf, a Harland and Wolf group who joined Titanic at Belfast. They were part of a select group of experts who had sailed on Titanic to consult on and assist with any problems with the mechanical equipment on board. So let's real quick, because we always we what we know is that the Titanic's maiden voyage was the one that sank, but they did like dry runs. Yes. Okay, so this is what what Constance was on is like uh, the, the soft open. They sailed on Titanic on the maiden voyage. Oh, they they were on the voyage that sank. Yes. Oh, okay, I thought you meant that they like sailed around the harbor. Totally. When, when I read, I read when I read this in the book, I read it like three times because that's what I thought he was saying too. But no. So yeah. okay. They were Harland and Wolf employees, or maybe just David was because sexism. Um, right. She's a woman. <laughs> and I'm sure they probably, he probably was on the soft open, but now he's brought on the maiden voyage to be an expert and assist with any problems mm-hmm. with the mechanical equipment on board. So he would be like the smoking gun because he would have an intimate knowledge of the differences between Oh, I, I imagine that a lot of people would. Um, so that's... Why I I feel that mm, if this conspiracy were true, more than just like James Fenton would be talking about it, but we can talk about that. Yeah, later. James Fenton also seems to be having like a very normal <laughs> rest of his life. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got Constance and her husband David, and because both husband and wife were making the voyage, they were upgraded to first class. Love it. So it was during their stay in first class that Constance Evans claims that on the evening of April 14th, she and her husband dined with the captain in the first class a la carte restaurant. And he's like, we're about to hit an iceberg. 
yeah, he's like, heads up, we're sinking this bitch. Uh, but just for detail's sake, Constance said that also present at the table was Thomas Andrews, whom both she and her husband knew very well. And for the short time that- I Tried to build you good boat rows. <laughs> Big Irish hands. That was the other guy, Tommy. Uh, Tommy, Thomas, same thing. <laughs> For the short period that Andrews was in their restaurant, he and Evans discussed the ship's engineering department, and it was during this conversation that Andrews acknowledged there was a vibration problem. Is this in the movie? I was thinking about that, too, because... It feels a little like the dinner with Jack and Andrews and the other guy, Ismay is there, are both there, right? No. So Ismay and Andrews were, like, having a lunch. That's when... He said he wanted to slow down, and Ismay is like, no, speed up. Imagine the papers when we get in on Friday morning or yeah, whatever. Surprise yeah, surprise them. Um, and I, as much as I remember like so many lines from the movie, I couldn't remember the exact details of that lunch. <laughs> the non-Leo scenes. <laughs> Leo wasn't there, so I just blanked it out. But the problem with the vibration, it was caused by the propellers. So mm -hmm. the starboard engine or starboard propeller shaft was increasingly producing an occasional but severe vibration. So he's asking Evans what to do, remember? Because Evans is there to consult on these problems. Right. So Evans's suggestion is, until we can accurately identify the probable cause, we may have to recommend reduced revolutions. So he, yeah, Evans down. says, slow down. Yeah, which makes sense, right? They're hitting some kind of resonant frequency mm -hmm. somewhere. And then after the meal, David, that's Evans. Mm -hmm. After the meal, Evans and Constance, his wife, made their apologies and left the restaurant early. And then David allegedly went below to the engineering space and Constance never saw him again. Brutal. So Constance survived, obviously. And right. the vibration that she reported was also noted by first class passenger Mahala D. Douglas and her husband, who by coincidence had also dined in the restaurant that evening. I mean, I don't know how big of a coincidence that is because like, <laughs> they're on a boat. How many rest restaurants are there? Sure, sure, sure. But two people that dined in the same place had the same experience. They talked mm -hmm. about this vibration. Something was wrong with the propellers. So do you think it... Here's a question about coincidence. Is it purely coincidence that Titanic suffered starboard engine or propeller shaft problems seven months after the Olympics collision with the Hawk in that same space? I would say I'm okay with writing that off to coincidence mm -hmm. because there are two, it's a 50% 50, 50 chance, right? So if they are having propeller shaft problems, it's either going to be on starboard or port. And so like rash, I mean, like they don't have to be having propeller shaft problems, but it's like there's a 50-50 chance of what side it will be on, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not, it's not great <laughs> uh, with, with, Along with all of the other things, it's like very, very there's a lot going on. There's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I like was ready to write this off and now I can't, <laughs> which is upsetting to me. Well, hang tight because oh, Constance no. Evans, mm -hmm. she's not on the list of survivors reported by the White Star Line. What? But there is record of her receiving payment from Harland and Wolf after her husband's death. So he was definitely there. He died. And like her whole family was like, yeah, she's a Titanic survivor. It wasn't like, was she? Um, I mean, that I can, I, I kind of, I can also like build that narrative, right? Like they were upgraded to first class because it was husband and wife traveling. And like, maybe she wasn't 
supposed to be on there but she came last minute and so they got upgraded and she wasn't on the manifest right maybe i don't maybe. know oh, but we also have some issues with fenton's story as we've kind of already <laughs> figured out ourselves uh-huh. but mainly there's no record of him being on the ship at all either <laughs> Okay, great. So his have you, have you checked Porky Pig or whatever the fuck <laughs> yeah. he called himself? Fatty the pig. <laughs> Which is just a bizarre detail. <laughs> he called me Patty the Pig. I'm Patty the Pig. It reminds me of like Grandpa Simpson telling stories back in nineteen dickety seven. Yeah, so his name isn't listed on any of the Titanic's crew lists at Belfast or Southampton. Okay. It is possible that he was on the ship, given the incomplete and inaccurate system of recording crew names. Like, he's not the only alleged crewman whose name is missing off Titanic's record. Sure. And and using my, like, racist assumptions, his name is Paddy the Pig. He was probably an Irish dude. And they're like, one Irish dude or ten Irish dudes? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Right? Like, I like like that doesn't super surprise me. But, like, I love that he's like, I was there. And everyone's like, mm, were you? um so also there was no pay ever claimed by a crewman named james fenton okay so where like we could corroborate that constance evans was paid a sum yeah there was like a some paper trail somewhere yes we don't have that with fenton well because the office of secrets or whatever (laughs) the bureau of keep your mouth shut sent him a check (laughs) <laughs> i mean maybe <laughs> so let's look, examine his story a little bit further he said that the surviving crew members disembarked at plymouth they were taken aside and met by two men one in a mm-hmm. high position at the white star line the other from the government so history corroborates that harold sanderson and e.c grenfell both white star line directors met the crew and then representing the government was someone named mr w wolven receiver of rex these men this is from this is a quote from the book these men okay. would, without a doubt, have cautioned the returning crewmen that any spreading of rumors or speculations regarding Titanic's sinking would not be tolerated. Okay. Silence would have been the safest and wisest option available to all involved. So, okay, James Fenton is hearing rumors about we're going to wreck it for the insurance money. That It wrecks. The government guy is like, don't spread any rumors like the one I heard about the wrecking for the insurance money please and he's like loud and clear chief wink 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 (laughs) i'll tell everybody for the next 60 years (laughs) right fun fact a few months following the frank finch letter in that australian newspaper Mm -hmm. one of the authors of the titanic or olympic book spoke (laughs) spoke with his son dennis spoke with the with frank finch's son dennis yeah and they asked finch could he recall any additional information from his conversation with Fenton that wasn't in the letter? And Finch said that only one more thing came to mind. Fenton said that when he joined the ship, she had false portholes painted on her side. What the fuck? <laughs> Lindsay, I swear to God. <laughs> so, moving right along, let's talk no, about JP. No, no, no. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you're going to come away with the answer. Well, we'll see you next week, everyone. <laughs> In the end. Bye. Um, okay. So what year was this discussion that, that 
Fenton says, so like, let's rewind. So the author of the book talked to the Frank Finch's son and the son said, oh, back in the day, James Fenton told me this thing. But when did the conversation between the author and the son happen? It says a few months later after they read the report in the newspaper, which was 96. So like the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before the movie. Yes. Okay. But like, that's not like, because if it was like 2009, when like the internet already exists, like he could have read this online and like kind of retroact, like retconned his own memories. Sure. But like, I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we're going to talk about JP Morgan. This sinister murderer looking for a fat paycheck. Yeah. Which, Why did which is not in dispute. <laughs> <laughs> that part's real. That part has not been disputed yet. Uh, why did he cancel his Titanic trip? To sink it. To murder his competition and sink it. Because of the Federal Reserve? Well, according to Gene Strauss's 1999 biography called Morgan, American Financier, and Brad Mastin's 2008 book, Titanic's Last Secrets, Morgan was busy trying to ship his vast art collection in England and France by sea to New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art. What's this guy, Monet? He'll never amount to anything. (laughs) Exactly. In late March, he had a setback. A U.S. Customs Office art specialist sent to London to inspect the shipments unexpectedly left for the United States. Morgan stopped the shipments, asked the art dealer supervising them to meet him in France in mid-April, and sent a telegram to the White Star Line's president with his regrets. Business would keep him from sailing on the Titanic. Okay. That's from the Washington Post. Uh Uh-huh. At least one of Morgan's supposed enemies, Guggenheim, did not book his spot on the Titanic until April 8th, which was after Morgan canceled, according to a news account. April 8th is after it set sail. Are you sure? Yeah, it set sail on the 4th. Unless unless I misheard when it set sail. Didn't it set sail on the 4th? 10th. 10th. Oh, it's, it's okay. Airy season. Okay. So so he booked, Guggenheim booked his ticket two days two before. Two days it before sale. it. Okay. Titanic left for America. Titanic go to America. <laughs> Five minutes. So really, so really the Jack story is like the Guggenheim story. <laughs> yeah. Not a penny to his name. <laughs> Guggenheim won his ticket in a poker game, died on the ship. Was he a time traveler? Yes. So, and then Astor, Guggenheim, and Strauss didn't oppose the creation of the Federal Reserve. Right. So, a digital, the Washington Post does a digital search of key U.S. newspapers in the era. It doesn't find a single account of Astor or Guggenheim taking any position on the Fed. And what they did find was that Strauss spoke publicly in favor of the proposal. Mm-hmm. according to two October 1911 stories in the New York Times. And, and Morgan also was on record as agreeing with them. He also wanted the Federal Reserve, right? Yeah, it was kind of his brainchild. Great. So the theory was they're his enemies, they're his business competitors, and they're opposing his Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. So that's not, that doesn't really hold up. That doesn't hold up. And so I have a question. Uh-huh. Was the art on the boat? No. Okay, because that would have immediately convinced me that it was a scam. Because not only do you get the insurance money from the boat, but you also get it from these like priceless works of art. Very interesting. You know? Yeah. But but the art was never, there was never like a claim for the art. So like that doesn't, that dog don't hunt either. Mm-mm. 
so some holes in the theory, but the biggest one is that Titanic's insurance wasn't enough to cover the Olympics loss. Oh, so, okay. The end. You're telling me J.P. Morgan couldn't have done that math? (laughs) Each vessel fully equipped cost a million and a half pounds. And at the time of the accident, the vessel carried insurance for only one million pounds, with the remaining rest being carried by the company's insurance fund. So once again, I'm back to it's possible that they switched the ships, but not for the insurance money because there wasn't there wasn't enough insurance money. Maybe the Titanic just wasn't done. Maybe, you know, it was a CIA conspiracy. <laughs> it's great. I love that. CIA um, definitely did not exist yet. Uh, yeah. So the, the CIA wasn't officially created into, into law until 1947. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like there was some underground stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. There, okay. there was an office of secret murders. But yeah, the CIA was like a product of World War II. Uh, okay. So we're going to quickly look about the physical evidence. The differences in the ship that couldn't be fixed with paint, like a porthole. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that could be fixed with paint. <laughs> I also have to state that it is possible that they, nope, it is, yes, it is possible that they painted the portholes on instead of building them to make it look more luxurious than it actually was and not for any other like sinister reason. Though right. that is vaguely sinister. It's not like I'm going to do a bunch of murders sinister. Sure. And you have to imagine that, I mean, unless they truly thought that the whole thing would explode, the evidence could still be there. Yeah. And the fire, well, the fire in the, in the thing, maybe they did think it was going to explode. Yeah, I know. And like, they probably could never have imagined like a submarine going to the bottom of the ocean to excavate wreckage like that. Right. Back then, they absolutely could not have imagined that. <clears throat> I keep convincing myself back and forth whether this is real or not. <laughs> well. Don't well. Don't you well. Since 2002, there have been many informative dives done on Titanic. The most revealing of those undertaken by film director James Cameron in preparation for his movie Titanic. Mm-hmm. Even after the blockbuster movie was released in 1997, he continued to pursue his interest in the wreck by returning. Yeah, he just, like, loves deep-sea diving. In 2002 and 2005. So this is from Titanic or Olympic Which One Sank book. Okay. Though the B-Deck private promenade, a Titanic-only feature, had been filmed in the past by RMS Titanic, Inc., Cameron filmed it in better clarity than ever before. His cameras even penetrating the stateroom that was once occupied by White Star Line managing director Bruce Ismay. So he... So he... This was Titanic only. It's down there. Case closed. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, I'm sure there's like a however coming in a second. <laughs> Cameron was able to penetrate as far down as F deck into the Turkish baths, which was another like Ismay upgrade and proved once again the subtle differences between Olympic and her sister. His use of high-definition cameras allowed the world to view the interior of Titanic right in their homes, and with this, the death knell to the conspiracy theory had been rung. One would assume that after Cameron's in-depth studies of Titanic's wreck that the conspiracy theories would disappear, but they did not. No, no, no. That's not how conspiracy theories work. So, according to Washington Post, this theory... So... These authors were researching this theory as early as the 90s, right? Right, since that letter. Right. But this theory re- resurfaced recently because of QAnon. Oh, good. <laughs> K- 
Can I so, make a prediction? Yeah. Okay. QAnon. I'm getting my QAnon pants on. Ready? Okay. Hollywood. Pedophiles. <laughs> Jewish cabal. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're missing Jews. Yeah. Covering for itself because you can draw a straight line between jp morgan who like definitely wasn't jewish but like for whatever reason they think is jewish because he had a lot of money to james cameron trying to like cover for him a hundred years later for reasons because pedophilia so literally QAnon just dismiss every single report that they don't like by claiming they're part of operation mockingbird what is operation mockingbird supposedly a continuation of a 1950s CIA program to distribute propaganda through the media. Sick. So the CIA did cultivate extensive relationships with the American press. <laughs> and, and movies and music. <laughs> right. We know that. For, this is from the Washington Post. Former Washington Post reporter Carl Bernstein reported in Rolling Stone in 1977 that CIA files showed 400 reporters had secretly carried out assignments for the agency in the 50s through the 70s. Yeah, for sure. This is much later than Titanic. Mm -hmm. CIA technically didn't exist at this point. QAnon is also kind of obsessed with the centuries-old anti-Semitic trope about an international banking conspiracy claiming mm -hmm. that the Rothschild dynasty is funding an evil global plot. Right. But Astor, J.P. Morgan, Guggenheim, I don't think any of them were Jewish. So, like, good job, guys. Operation Mockingbird. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. These are like the the lines that the Washington Post was drawing in right. a story entitled Fact Checking QAnon Conspiracy Theories. Did J.P. Morgan sink the Titanic? Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that the Washington Post is wrong. I'm saying that QAnon like doesn't differentiate between a rich person and a Jewish globalist pedophile who's drinking baby's blood. Oh, right. I mean, it's, it's Illuminati. It's this. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They don't. They're not really um, distinguishing, I don't mm -mm. think, too hard. No. So that's it. What do you mean that's it? That's it. That's not it. That's it. James Cameron solved the mystery. QAnon perpetuates the lies. Okay, so QAnon is perpetuating the lies among all of their other lies. And there's going to be no talking them out of it because you can't logic people out of conspiracy theories. And the more you disprove, the more outlandish things they will have to look at to prove it, right? Like, oper like this Operation Mockingbird, which has a nugget of truth. But like, yeah, so we have an answer. Right, we have an answer. The answer is there were Turkish baths. Right. There's a lot of coincidences. Some are literally unexplained to this day. We have historians who are like... This is, un this is a mystery, but we also know that they were altering Titanic and Olympic. They may have switched, you know, swan vents for a reason unknown to us. There, there are things that we don't know. They may have painted portholes on. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know, um, but we do know that there were a few differences that were absolutely irrefutable and mm -hmm. that they have been widely documented by one James Cameron. So thanks, James Cameron, for <laughs> solving the, the mystery once again. Solved the dispute. I th that is bonkers. <laughs> Wait, that the movie we would we would not know the proof of whether J.P. Morgan sank the Titanic on purpose if it weren't for 
Titanic the movie. Yep. The proof Holy is in the pudding. Holy shit. The pudding. The pudding. <laughs> oh my God. I feel deeply un- unsettled by all of this. I know. Isn't it great? It is great. This was such a bitch. I believe you. <laughs> Holy balls. Is there anything that you cut out that you want to go back to? So there was some like shit about the letters where there were like these photographs and the letters looked wrong, but then we found out that they were just etched onto the negative and it's like, why did someone <laughs> etch that onto the negative? We don't know. Well, so actually let, let, let's talk about that because that, that also goes to the thing of like, even when you believe in a conspiracy theory and you're presented with hard evidence that it's not true, you will doctor the evidence to make other people believe the thing that you believe. That's so weird that like people will spread. I mean, it's like a metaphor for what's going on now. People will spread things that they know is obviously not real in the effort to convince other people that it is real. And then like, it like, comes in a cycle then they will doctor their own evidence to prove to you that the thing that you started is real even though like you're the one that started this room it's like i'm deeply unsettled (laughs) yeah and evidence doctoring has been going on for a long time i I mean with that photo that we were just referencing where the titanic name was etched onto the negative we don't know that it was like a malice intent but maybe Mm -hmm. they just needed a photo of the titanic for some guy a unknown reason and doctored a photo and this is something that also had occurred to me is like these two ships are so similar that it's like possible that they just like mixed up two of two photographs right in 110 years ago right there were um reports of crew there were photos of crew members that were circulating that were confused whether it was the olympic or the titanic staff i mean there was a lot of confusion between the two ships just because they were so similar and the crews worked side by side often on both ships which you know is another good piece of evidence that i'm talking about major differences that even we could figure out but you have to imagine like a coat a coat hanger or you know little subtle details that were inside the ship that someone who worked on both of them would have known about yeah and like i can i can you know i definitely you're a you're a crewman on on a vessel you're paid shit you're uneducated like you gossip right and i think that this this has latched on to some pieces of evidence that are like definitely fucking weird and and super i don't know i i hate to say the word coincidences but like <laughs> like a ton of coincidences and now qAnon believes that jp morgan sunk the titanic because wait but why why does qAnon think this like what was his goal why does this help their what why does this help their doctrine so the, what they're latching onto is banking conspiracies and that right and if it happened back then, it's happening now? Question mark? Yeah. Question, question mark? Illuminati. <laughs> Great. I love that. Um, <laughs> Illuminati. So, so okay. What we're going to go out on this week is not a conspiracy theory, but it sounds like, when I tell people this, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, which is that Titanic has an original ending. Is it original or alternate? So 
I mean, it's original because this was the one that they did first, and then it tested horribly, and so they redid it. Or they may have done them both at the same time and like tested them both, but there was an ideated different ending for Titanic, right? Which is heinous, and I wish it was yeah. a conspiracy theory. I have theory. shown that I have the, I have passed this monkey paw curse onto Lindsay and, and shown her this. Um, and and so I will gonna, never forgive you for that. And so I promise you, this is real. You can look it up on YouTube and. I, it must be on some kind of DVD somewhere because it's like very high quality on YouTube. And should we should we set it up? Should we explain what it is? So it's an alternate ending, and it begins when Old Rose is approaching the side of the ship to throw the heart of the ocean over. That's where it takes place in the story. Is Old Rose? With the story is over, and Old Rose goes to the side of the ship to. To disembark her diamond <laughs> and maybe her body <laughs> where, where can people find us on the internet find us on instagram and twitter at lyrics for lunch please if you like our show share it with your friends share it on social tag us email us enter uh, the contest enter our contest enter our contest win a vinyl record from newtown book and record exchange Rate and review the show. Post it on Reddit when you see people talking about crazy conspiracy theories. <laughs> send them to us. Yes, please. Because we are always into learning more weird stuff and hearing more about famous monsters or conspiracy theories or just things that you should know about your favorite songs. And tune in next week when we do the same thing, maybe f- with fewer conspiracy theories, with the 2007 classic, emo classic... Hey there, Delilah by the plain white tees. Cringe. Cringe. Yeah, a cringe <laughs> masterpiece. Hey there, Delilah. So until next week, I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker. Saying, you're so stupid, Rose. You're why'd so you, stupid, Rose. Why'd you do that, Rose? Why'd you do that? <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Don't come any closer. I'll drop it. You had it the entire time? The hardest part about being so poor was being so rich. But every time I thought about selling it, I thought of Cal. And somehow, I made it without his help. Holy shit. Look, Rose, I don't know what to say to a woman who tries to jump off the Titanic when it's not sinking and then jumps back on when it is. (laughs) We're not dealing with logic here, I know that, but please, think about this for a second. Oh, I've thought about this for years. And I've come all the way here to put it back where it belongs. Wait, just let me hold it in my hand, please. Just once. I 
You look for treasure in the wrong place, Mr. Lovett. Only life is priceless. And making each day count. Would you like to dance? <laughs> 